believe it's 14 years since Bastard Payments were launched. I remember when that happened, I worked for a bank and was amazed at the fact that you could get money from one account to another pretty much instantaneously. Hello and welcome to NPP Soundbites. I'm Lisa Linton. With the introduction of real-time payments and open banking ahead of Australia, the United Kingdom offers an important case study for Australian payments professionals. In this special two-part series, I speak with Kate Frankish, Chief Business Development Officer at Pay.UK, the organisation that operates the country's payments platforms, including the Faster Payments, Image Clearing and Vax Payment Systems. Over the next two episodes, we discuss the current status of faster payments, the impact of open banking, and what we can learn from the UK's launch of Request to Pay as we ready ourselves for the rollout of Pay2 in Australia. I started this first episode by asking Kate to describe who Pay.UK is and to also describe the significant work underway to develop and launch a new payments architecture. Okay, no, that's a really good question because we're not, even in the UK, we're not a consumer-facing brand, so people really don't know who we are. But we run um, retail payment systems for the UK. So we run Faster Payments, which is kind of immediate payments, BACS, which is where most of the UK population are paid from and can pay bills from, and the check imaging system. Um, And alongside that, we've actually got 40, I was amazed at this, we've got another 40 ancillary type products that are either payments or supporting payments type products. Um, And we process over £19.2 billion worth of payments daily. And we support the UK population and the UK economy. So it's a, a really interesting place to work, but it's also got quite a bit of pressure because we wouldn't want ever our, our, our platforms not to work and money to stop flowing. If we focus on real-time payments in particular, the UK was a pioneer in the world of real-time payments with the introduction of faster payments back in 2008. What's the current status of fast payments in the UK and how fast is it growing? Yeah, I can't believe it's 14 years since faster payments were launched. I remember when that happened, I worked for a bank and was amazed at the fact that you could get money from one account to another pretty much instantaneously. Um, And obviously that's grown right across the world now with, with most jurisdictions either having done or in the process of introducing a real time payments platform. So recent years in the UK, year on year growth is significantly strong. It's in excess of 20%. And we're starting to see that grow even more um, over the last year. And obviously during the start of the pandemic, there was a blip in, in growth generally in any kind of payment platform, but that has recovered significantly. And last year we saw 24% growth year on year. So, I mean, I, th- I think the future's bright for faster payments. There's some new use cases coming through and certainly open banking in the UK is helping usage of, of this particular payments platform. Well, that leads me really nicely to my next question about open banking. What kind of impact has it had on real-time account-to-account payments? And also, what are the challenges that you've been encountering? Can real-time genuinely compete with card payments? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's really in line with, with our strategy and one of our regulators' strategies around giving the UK consumers choice in how they pay. Every country's different, but 
in the UK, we have a real love of cards, debit and credit, and most customer to business retail payments are, are put through the cards platform. So open banking is driving new use cases, predominantly in the online retail world, so not face-to-face -face transactions. And we saw growth over last year, every month, around a million payments uh, going across open banking and therefore being processed through faster payments to the end of, of, of this year, or last year, sorry, I'm getting mixed up now, we're just early 2022, um, <laughs> with over two and a half million payments per month being made through open banking. So in the whole scheme of things, when you look at the billions of transactions that happen on a daily basis, uh, the volumes are still relatively low, but they are growing at pace. And we're starting to see some big companies like, for example, British Telecom, who's one of the main uh, telecom providers in the UK and Wi-Fi providers, uh, giving their consumers, their billers, the option to pay via open banking. So we, we do expect to see that growing significantly. But you're right. What part of your question was, what are the challenges that we're seeing? Open banking works on API calls, so connectivity between the company that initiates the payment with the customer and their bank, where, where the customer then is taken to their bank's app and they authenticate the payment. The timescales for these API calls are not as slick always as they should be. And that's something that the open banking implementation entity and the UK industry are looking at enhancing on a regular basis. So these things take time to tune, even when you have what we call standards to adhere to. Every bank and PSP might actually apply those standards slightly differently. So that is, is being actively worked on through the industry. And I think... Changing consumer behaviour is really hard. If you're a, a consumer and you use a card to pay and it works and you're protected, why would you change? So part of that is um, around some use cases coming through where there are incentives for consumers to pay via account-to-account um, -account payments rather than with card payments. And I think, you know, using faster payments in a face-to-face -face environment, even if it's through open banking, it's not quick enough today. Um, and that's something in the new payments architecture, which is our modernization program, that we are looking at developing a truly instant product, which would be where we see the ability to really compete with cards in both an online and face-to-face -face type environment. So you've just mentioned the new payments architecture, which is centred on real-time payments. For someone who might not know, what actually is the new payments architecture? Yeah, that's a good question. It's a very grand title. <laughs> it's fundamentally a new set of infrastructure to run new types of faster payment products through. It's a modernisation programme because like every form of technology, there comes a time when technology needs upgraded. It will use ISO 222 data standards, so more data will flow as is the whole of the globe starting to use in, in payments or are already using in some jurisdictions. And it's really there to do a few things. One is to support new products and services, innovation by others on our platform. It's also there to help drive access for new types of customers who want to use our services. Uh, and they may wish to connect to us in different ways than we currently um, have available. And how do we drive down costs so it's a fairer market and more payment systems providers can actually 
join and be part of, of the system. Our scope is really to migrate all of the faster payments traffic from our current infrastructure platform onto the new payments architecture, and then look at how do we move what is our BACS traffic, which is a far bigger and more ingrained set of, of payment capability across the UK, including arms and legs into corporate companies. So that's a more significant part of, of the, the development, which is phase two. What's the latest status of that project and, and what challenges are you facing there? We have a really clear design defined and we're moving at pace in collaboration with the industry. But as with any technical modernisation programme, there are challenges. And you know, I've worked in financial services for far too many years and worked in technical delivery roles as well as, as business roles. And even in one organisation, it's really hard to deliver a technical capability. But when you're at the centre of, of a whole industry and your services are uh, dependent uh, to make the economy work, there's an awful lot more to, to be worried about and to plan very carefully. We have a massively diverse group of stakeholders so one of the things we realised as we did a whole lot of analysis last year and developed our new strategy is we're not going to please everyone all of the time and we have to be comfortable with that. And it's, it's a complex delivery. So therefore, the depth of analysis required is always significant and does take time. And finally, regulators scrutiny, quite rightly, our two regulators are really uh, interested and work with us on a constant basis to make sure they're comfortable with how we're progressing with this particular de development. Because fundamentally, they're responsible for making sure that nothing goes wrong. Payments can continue to flow in the UK whilst we develop this new capability and migrate payments. Make sure you listen to the second episode in this two-part series, where Kate discusses the UK's rollout of Request to Pay and the introduction of Confirmation of Payee. I'm Lisa Linton. Thanks for joining me.